Today we are going back to the Gospel of Matthew. If you remember, we started going through the, the Gospel of Matthew, and we are going back to where we left off last week. There were three questions that we are trying to answer as we go through the Gospel of Matthew. The first one is, who is the king? Where is the kingdom? And how does kingdom living look like? These are the three questions that the author, Matthew, is trying to answer to us. And if you remember, we looked at in Matthew chapter 1 and 2, the person of the king. And also in Matthew 3 and 4, we saw the presentation of the king. And a few weeks ago, we started looking at the preaching of the king from Matthew 5 to 7. That is commonly referred to as the Sermon on the Mount. In Matthew chapter 5, Jesus delivered a series of teachings on anger, lust, divorce, retaliation, oath about loving our enemies. And he started that chapter with the Beatitudes, the blessings, and about loving our enemies and also being salt and light. The coming of the king brings the fulfillment of all the laws. Not only Jesus fulfills the law, but he supersedes all the requirements of the law. Now in chapter 6, the chapter that we are going to look, Jesus gave us three examples of what kingdom living looks like. He's going to talk about giving, prayer, and fasting. This he calls them practices of righteousness or acts of righteousness. We all know, I think, that we are not saved by our works or righteous acts. Isaiah said in chapter 64, we have all become one who is unclean and all our righteous deeds are like polluted garments. NIV says it, filthy rags. Paul also said in Ephesians 2.8, for by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not of your own doing, it is the gift of God not of the result of works, so that no one can boast. Our works does not save us. But our new life in Christ should exhibit works of righteousness. Once we are saved by the grace, as we are citizens of the kingdom, we engage, we are expected to do acts of righteousness. This is the example that Jesus is setting out for us in Matthew 6. Today we are going to look at only the first one from these three examples that Jesus gave on Matthew 6. That, that example is giving money to the needy. When talking about money, it's never easy. Money, I don't know in other cultures, but in our culture in Ethiopia, you never, you never talk about money. Uh, somebody said, some people have money, but they don't talk about it. But every culture has their own ways. We tend to keep quiet about our status or our, about money. We don't discuss money. The simplest act, giving, is a simplest act. There is no complication. You either give or not give. But at the same time, it's complicated. 
right? It's complicated, I think, <laughs> because the command is clear, but the application of the command is not clear, or it gets tricky. For example, questions like, how much do I give? To whom do I give? Or when do I give? For what purpose do I give? What is my motive in giving? All of these questions come into play as we go about giving. So the passage that we are going to look today challenges our motives for giving. This is what Jesus is getting. He's getting at the heart of the matter, our motives. So if, we, if you would stand with me, let us read the, the passage together, Matthew chapter 6, verses 1 to 4. Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. For then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Thus, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpets before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may be praised by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret. And your father who sees it in secret will reward you. This is the word of God for the people of God and God's people said, Praise be to God. You may be seated. The coming of our king is seen by our acts or practices of righteousness. In Matthew chapter 6, Jesus gives us these three examples. Giving alms or giving money to the poor. He's going to talk about prayer and also fasting. So this is the first one. This is not an exhaustive list. Jesus is not giving us all the lists. These are the three things that we should do as citizens of the kingdom. But he's giving us examples to follow. This act does not cover the entire good works that we should do as Christians. You know, there are a lot of good works or acts of righteousness that we can do, like hospitality, visiting, humility, prayer, and all the other things. And uh, as I was coming to this church, to IEC, I passed through two churches, two Orthodox churches. And there were many beggars lining up on the streets, sitting down on both these churches. And I came also to IEC. Did you see anyone? <laughs> Did you see anyone sitting or begging or looking for money, sitting down there? It got me thinking, what do you say about us? Are we not? generous? <laughs> Do we tend to keep our pockets to ourselves? It's just a question. I'm just leaving that to you. 
So the main passage of the text, or the main point I would like to talk about is our righteous acts should be done for God's good pleasure. This is what Jesus is talking about. Our righteous acts should be done for God's good pleasure. The first one, the first point, I have three points for us. The first point I would like to get at is righteous acts that pleases God. There are basically two venues where we perform righteous acts. One is in the presence of people, and the other is without the presence of people. But on both occasions, God sees it. God is present whether there are people there who sees it or or not. God observes. So the question is, is our motive to please God, bring glory and honor and fame to his name, or is it to impress or to be seen by other people? The, the issue is not about the giving, but the motive that is in our hearts. This chapter starts with, beware, be careful. There's a warning, it's a danger sign. When you go through some places, there is like danger sign. You know, there is electric here. You will get electrocuted, be careful. Or when there are dogs, you know, be careful, be aware. There are dangerous dogs in this place. Or when you're going through landmines, it says, be careful, there are landmines, you may step on them. Just be careful, be aware. So here again, it's a warning to us. Be careful, be aware of practicing your righteous acts for pleasing people. For if you do it, you will have no rewards from your Father in heaven. In Jesus' day, it is common to give money to the temple and to the poor. If you remember, uh, Jesus was sitting in Mark chapter 12. Jesus was sitting opposite the treasury and watching. It says he was just, <laughs> he sat down and he observed, he watched as people are going about giving money to the offering box. Just like we did, you know, as we are giving money into the offering box. Many rich people put in large sums of money. I think they have it either in gold in, or in silver or in other coins. You know, they have these chunks of money and they put it in the box. And also a widow came, Jesus said, and put in two small coins. Which one do you think made the most sound? The big chunks of money or the two small copper coins? It's obvious, right? The big chunks make that sound. And Jesus said, truly, I say to you, the poor widow has put in more than all of these who contribute to the offering. As Jesus was observing, sitting down and observing, there are other peoples also who are sitting down and observing with Jesus as people are giving money. 
they may be saying like, wow, this guy, look at how much money this guy is giving. I suspect these men who are going to the temple and giving, and they were saying like, wow, how much sound it made. And they say, wow, this guy is so rich, so generous, so, so good. And the guy will feel proud. Of, no, you know, look at me. I gave this much to the temple. This is me. And he's patting himself. And he's saying high five to himself. And also, if you remember in Acts chapter 3, when Peter and John were going to the temple at the ninth hour, a man lame from birth was being carried, and he laid by the temple at the gate, and he will beg for money. That's his job. That's what he did. And when he saw Peter and John coming in, he begged them for money. And if you remember that story, Peter and John, they said, silver and coin, silver and gold we do not have. But in Jesus' name, they healed the man. So all of the people, I suspect, were saying, how come these guys did these miracles? Wow, look at Peter and John. But this is what Peter said. He said, men of Israel, why do you wonder at this? Or why do you stare at us as though by our own power or piety we have made this man walk? By faith in his name, in Jesus' name, he has made this man strong whom you see and know. And the faith that is through Jesus has given the man this perfect health in your presence. Even though the act was public, Peter and John, what they did was they reflect back the glory to God. So whatever acts of kindness or righteousness we do, if we draw attention to ourselves, it's a sin. We have to be very careful. All the glory, all the attention, all the praise should be directed to God and away from us. We have to be very careful. Especially when we give money to the needy, to the mission, we have to be very careful. When we give money, to whom do we give? are we giving? We are giving it to God. When you give money to the church, you are not giving it to me, but you are giving it to God. And when we receive money after we do our work, we are getting it from God. So the coming of our king is seen by his people practicing acts of righteousness that pleases our God. That is my first point. What Jesus encourages us to do is righteous acts are to be done in secret. That's when it gets tricky. Giving money is not an option. We have to give. It's not like if you give to the needy, but it is when do you give to the needy? It's assumed that it's a common practice, as I was trying to, to explain, that it is a common practice to give. So it's expected of us to give to the needy, to give to the temple. In, in, in Isaiah 58, 7, when Isaiah was talking about fasting in the context of giving, this is what he said. 
Is it not to share your bread with the hungry and bring the homeless poor into your house when you see the naked to cover him and not hide yourself from your own flesh? As I stand here, I do not see anyone naked. You are all dressed. As you can see, I'm also kind of trying to <laughs> be dressed. <laughs> I don't know whether there is anyone who's hungry or not. But as you see, it's expected of us to give to the needy who are hungry, who doesn't have anything to close themselves with. We should be on the lookout to give to the needy. The opposite of helping the needy is oppressing the poor. If we don't give, in another way, we are oppressing the poor. Um, in the news, I hear that uh, convoys of food destined for the displaced, they are looted, they are stolen, and they are traded on the market. And rich people get richer while those who are in desperate need of those food, they don't have anything. The rich are getting richer and the poor are getting poorer. The rich are getting richer at the expense of the poor. Proverbs 14.31 says, Whoever oppresses a poor man insults his maker. Whoever oppresses a poor man insults his maker. But he who is generous to the needy honors him. He honors God. By our acts of righteousness, we honor God. And also Psalm 72, 4 says, May he defend the causes of the people, the poor people. The causes of the poor people give deliverance to the children of the needy and crush the oppressor. So it is expected of us to give and not oppress those who are poor, less advantageous. But as Jesus was saying, there are these hypocrites these actors, these funny guys, they hide their own feelings. They try to act as if they are somebody else. Their main desire is to praise themselves. They paraded their shows in the synagogues, in the streets, to draw attention to themselves. The first thing they do is they sound trumpets. I mean, there is no known record whether this actually happened in the streets of Jerusalem, whether they really sound trumpets. But the idea is these guys act as if they are sounding trumpets. They're advertising. Jesus is saying, don't advertise. But we live in an age of advertisement where everything is laid bare. It seems to me that we, we kind of live a very public life with our smartphones. 
So we see a lot of advertisement, a lot of things going on on that gadget. In the streets of Addis Ababa, there are a lot of bakers. Not only in the churches, but as you go, as you drive, as you walk, you are immediately surrounded by children. Ababa, Ababa, Mama, you know, Father, Daddy, please give me, give me money. I need money. I am hungry. I need bread. Give me bread. It's a sad reality. And how do we respond to this? They are called the poorest of the poor. They are poor, but again, there is this poorest of poor. Here at IEC, I'm one of our members, whom I admire very much, carries bread and gives it around. As he's walking on the streets of Addis Ababa, he has bread in his back, and he gives it around. It's, it's not only a plain bread, but he adds peanut butter to spice it up in the middle. So this guy is known as peanut butter bread guy. So this is one of the ways in which this person, this family, responds to the need that they see around the street corners of Addis Ababa. Last week, I also mentioned that as a church, we brought in 31 families from our neighborhood. And we gave them about 65,000 bur, about 2,000 or so for the families, for each family, to help them in time of their need. As a church, we try to respond to the needs that we see around our community. We're also trying to uh, start up a food bank here in our church because there are families who bring food items, non-perishable food items to, to our church. So what we do is we store it and when people come asking for help, we have something to give it to them so that they don't go empty-handed. We're not saying, oh, sorry, I don't have anything. That's the common practice that we see. When people ask us for money, what do we say? Huh? What do we say? <laughs> but here at least we have the joy and privilege of handing out something. When people come asking for help, we don't send them empty-handed. Here let me also talk about church giving. We have been talking about individual giving, giving to the needy. What about giving to the church? What does it look like? As you can see, at IEC, we collect gifts and offerings from all of you. And we try to, we try, you know, to make it a, a, a worship experience for all of us. But I know in some churches, giving to the church is competition. Who gives the most? And if you give a lot, you are treated with a special care in the churches. If you give little, maybe you are sitting at the back. 
But if you are giving more, maybe there are special seats in front for you. So people give all of those things. Here in our church, we don't talk much about giving. Um, giving is an issue of discipleship. It is something that we have to grow in. And as a church, we have to, to teach you about giving, the proper ways of giving. In 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 7, Paul said, But since you excel in everything, we have to excel in everything. But since you have excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, in the love we have kindled in you, see that you also excel in the grace of giving. Giving is not something that you throw a few coins here and there. It is something that we excel. It is something that we work towards. It is something that we want to improve. It's something that we are saying, yes, we have money and this money we have received from God because God owns the cattle on a thousand hills. The world and everything belongs to him. And we're saying not to money and saying yes to God. Yes, money is a gift from God, but we are giving it. We're trusting not our money, but God himself. And we grow in that act. So at the church, we don't have a certain percentage for you to give. I know in some churches, you are registered and there's a certain percentage expected of you to give. If you don't give, you're not members of that church. But IEC, we don't set a certain percentage on you. Give us 20% of your income or 10% of your income. We don't say that. It's, it's ex expected to give. But we encourage you to give as you give to be, your giving to be sacrificial, generous, and joyful. Um, David said in 1 Chronicles 21, when he wants to offer something to God, he wants to build an altar to God. And when one of the guys, Ornam, offered to give the land free for him, you, you offer this land for your God, I'm giving it free for you. But David said, no, I will buy them for the full price. I will not take to the Lord what is yours nor offer burnt offerings that cost me nothing. So when we give, it should cost us. We're saying no to something and saying yes to God. Our giving should cost us something. As Pastor Germa mentioned, next week we have an orphan summit. Right? There are a lot of orphans in our nation, in our city. So this is also an opportunity to give and care for the orphans, for the vulnerable children in our community. So I encourage us all to come and listen and see in what ways we can engage with showing our love and care and give to those who are in desperate need. James 1.27 says, Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. So we should care for our orphans in giving.
So when we give, we do not sound trumpets or horns. We give because we are commanded to give. We don't want to show. And also the second thing that Jesus said, which is kind of funny, is that let your left hand, this is my left hand, know what your hand is doing. It's kind of silly. How, how you know, if, if I'm doing with this hand, this hand should know. Uh, you know, in our church, as you are giving money, one of the comments I receive from our ushers is that they have a struggle in straightening out the money that you give it to them. Some of you are really tightening the money, as if on your right hand, not allowing your left hand to know that it is so squeezed that they have, it takes them a long time, you know, to straighten them out. <laughs> Maybe it shows that you don't want your left hand or your right hand to know what your left hand is, is doing. So relax, don't really tighten it. <laughs> it's, not, it's not a serious command. You know, your left hand knows what your right hand doing. <laughs> the idea is our giving should be in secrecy. We don't give to show off, we give in secrecy. You don't have to be rich to give money. You can give with what you have. I sometimes raise funds for ministry and for other purposes and I go to rich people and to poor people. Guess what? Who is giving the most? I will not tell you. <laughs> go and experience that. <laughs> but I think you suspect who gives the most. Those who have little gives the most. That has been my experience. And they are generous. So why should we give in secrecy? Why is Jesus encouraging us to give in secrecy? It's to protect us from the danger of deceiving ourselves into thinking that we have a credit with God, but in fact our balance shows it's already been rewarded. When we give, we give it to God and not to show to themselves. So we should do this in utmost secrecy, not sounding trumpets and doing other things, not showing off. But of course, sometimes our giving can be public because that's the nature of it. It can't be uh, done in secrecy. But the matter is our motive. Is it to show off or is it for, the God, for God's glory? The last thing, which is the encouraging thing, is God, our Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward us. Amen? He will reward us. Our, act, our righteous acts will be rewarded. The question is, what kind of reward do you want? Do you want a reward from God or a reward from people? To be seen by people. Um, what kind of reward? Does God give us when we give to, them, to the poor or to the needy? The reward is not explicitly stated. 
and the reward can be immediate and it can be uh, delayed. I remember uh, one time a young man telling me he was sitting here and uh, the ushers were going around. He tried looking for some money in his pocket. He's a young man, maybe a teenager. So he looked for some changes in his, in his pocket. All he can find was a hundred birth. That's all the money he has. So the questions immediately began to, should I give this money? Should I not give? What will happen if I give it? I will have nothing to do anything else. Should I give this money or not? You know, he's saying he's been, he's, he feels so tempted. And finally he said, bye-bye to his hundred birth. And gave, he put it on the offering box and he gave it. And he immediately forgets. Already he has given it. He has nothing. He immediately forgets all about it. And later on, on that Sunday here, he was helping out with something around the work here. He was doing a lot of works. And finally, the guy that employed him, you know, the guy that he was assisting with, gave him 600 bur. And then he immediately remembers Oh, the money that I gave, 100 birth came back sixfold. <laughs> and I got my reward. And then I challenged him, now give this 600 birth. <laughs> and see how much return you get. And he said, no, 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 no. <laughs> I can't, I can't do that. <laughs> So the reward is immediate. I'm not saying all the rewards are immediate. It may take some time, but definitely God sees what is done in secret and he rewards. Isaiah 58, 10 to 11 says, if you pour yourself out for the hungry, and satisfy the desire of the afflicted, then shall your light rise in the darkness and your gloom be at the noonday. And the Lord will guide you continually and satisfy your desire in scorched places and make your bones strong. Then you shall be like a water garden, like a spring of water whose waters do not fail. So the coming of our king is seen by righteous act, the righteous act that's done by his people. The people of this kingdom, his kingdom, live to please their king. So it is upon us as a church. Do we want to please our king, our master, and be known as people with generosity to those around us? Or do we hold tightly to our money? You know, both, we can't serve both God and money. So may we be known as a church with generosity as we share the goodness of God with other people. Amen? Let us pray.
Our Father, we thank you for your word that challenges us, that exhorts us to look into the motives of our giving, Lord. May our motive be to glorify your name in our giving. May it be for your good pleasure, Lord, and seek your reward and not the reward of other people, Lord. So I pray, Lord, may we be known as people who give sacrificially, generously, and joyfully to the needs that we see around us and to the work of the gospel, spreading the gospel in this nation and beyond, Lord. May you help us as we do that. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.